So let me tell you what my, my primary goal is for you over these next several weeks as we jump into a new series. It's just that you would be encouraged. See, I, I think we find ourselves at a time right now where we need some extra encouragement. I mean, these, these are stressful times in a lot of different ways. You know, in particular, the uh, people who are working in our school systems, who have kids that are about to go back in the school systems. They've really been on my heart. Uh, this week, you know, uh, if, if you have kids in Wiley ISD, Wiley starts back. And so um, before that, even teachers have been, already been back in the system and they've been working through a whole summer of really not knowing what to expect, you know, and what are things going to look like an online school versus in-person school and when are we going to know what to do and how is that going to change? It's hard to plan for something and be confident in something that you've never done before, right? And so there's been a lot of uncertainty around that. And then families now, at least families uh, that are part of this district, and I think most other districts around, are having to make decisions about do we send kids back in person? Do we keep them at home? You know, uh, and, and you try to do as a parent, it's like you make the decision that you feel like is the best decision for your child. And there are positives and negatives both ways, no matter what you do. And then in the back of your mind as a parent, you also wonder, have I made the right decision? You know, there's always that sense. So there's a lot of just uncertainty right now. There's a lot of uh, maybe extra anxiety. And I believe right now is a time, especially right at this very moment, we just need some encouragement. And I love that verse as part of our, our, our intro uh, there from Romans where it talks about, you know, through the endurance and encouragement of the scriptures that we might find hope. And that's the direction that we hope to go. But, you know, it's not just those that are involved in the, the school system that need a little extra encouragement right now. Everybody does. I mean, things obviously have been different over the last several months. And several of you have been working from home for a number of months now and maybe there's really not an end in sight to that and I know some people they're like this is awesome they love it it's fantastic but there is still the, also that element of being different and not having the interaction with other people and even for those that are your strongest introverts I'm convinced that there's still some element of needing some type of interaction with other human beings and sometimes when we don't have that on a normal basis, and that can be difficult to deal with. Uh, I, I know several senior adults who uh, right now is a difficult time for them because they have grandchildren that are about to start back in school. And I know of at least a couple of examples where people have said the grandparents are going to not be able to get together, not comfortable getting together with their families over the next several weeks because kids are going to be in school. And it's not that they're upset about that. It's just that they don't feel like that's a risk that they can take. I mean, my point is it doesn't really matter who you are or what phase of life you find yourself in. Right now is a time where it's just a stressful time. And we want to offer some encouragement. And so today... We are going to dive into John chapter 16, and we'll get there in just a moment before we read this passage together. Let me give you just a little bit of background. This is Jesus speaking here, uh, but, but let's back up just a couple of chapters. In chapter 14, Jesus began to explain to his disciples and began to prepare them for the fact that he was leaving. 
that he wasn't going to be around much longer. And so he talks about the Comforter coming, the Holy Spirit coming. He begins to introduce to them this idea that once he is gone, the Spirit will come. And then in chapter 15, he goes on, he talks about the vine and the branches and the importance of abiding in him. And then you get to uh, the end of 15 and, and he begins to explain that, you know, if the world hated me, they're going to hate you also. And then you get into the beginning of chapter 16 and he begins to just kind of lay it out pretty clearly about this is what you can expect and you are going to face some difficulties and this is what it's going to look like. But through it all, he's encouraging him saying, look, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. He's going to give you what you need, uh, but he doesn't pull any punches. And so um, it, once we get into the passage we're about to read here in just a moment, You'll see once we get into it, the disciples are saying, hey, I can finally understand clearly what you're saying now. See, one of the things that Jesus did, he often spoke in a bit of veiled language. You know, he would, he would speak maybe in parables or he would tell stories. And it wasn't always just a direct straightforward, let me just tell you exactly what you need to know because he wanted people to search a little bit. He wanted to cause them to think a little bit. And, and sometimes it was a little bit difficult for them to understand what he was saying. Now, with the perspective that we have 2,000 years later, maybe it makes a little bit more sense. But I want you, as we read this passage, to try to put yourself in the shoes of his early disciples that just didn't totally understand. And I can relate to that because I live in a household with a wife and two girls. Uh, guys, I don't know if anybody out there can relate to this, but sometimes the girls, they're having a conversation and, and they have moved from here about five steps ahead. And I'm still back here trying to catch up, right? I'm, I'm thinking, when did you jump from here to here? And how, what, what was the cue that you gave that you were jumping from here to here? And I'm so confused. And sometimes I just want to say, can you just speak in plain, normal language? Now, they all understand each other fine. They know exactly what they're talking about. And I'm the one that's left behind. And I wonder sometimes if the disciples felt that way. It's like, okay, I'm feeling totally left behind. Jesus is way over here somewhere. I'm still back over here not really understanding what he's talking about. Well, verse 29, they finally get it. Let's, let's pick it up. John 16, verse 29. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That one little phrase, that one little directive that Jesus gives is this, this instruction and this encouragement. He says, take heart. Take heart. We're going to see what that looks like today. But more than anything else, that's the message that I want you to hear today. Is that, that Jesus is saying to every one of us, take heart. That, that literally means, some translations translate this way, the word literally means courage. What Jesus is saying is take courage. Take courage. Now, another way of saying that is be encouraged. Have you ever stopped to think about the word encourage? Literally means to put courage into someone. If you are encouraged, then you are having courage come into you. If you are discouraged, that means that you are losing courage, right? And it's one or the other most of the time. Either we are having courage put into us or we are losing it. Anybody feeling discouraged 
lately? Anybody feeling like you're losing heart? You know, we, we sometimes use that phrase, don't we? Don't, don't lose heart about this. That's another way of saying don't be discouraged. You, you can tell when you're losing heart or when you're becoming discouraged when you begin to lose motivation for things. You know, the, there's just not much of a desire. Everything in life just kind of becomes tasteless. You know, there's not much energy around anything. It just kind of becomes just kind of blah, and you don't really care as much anymore. And the things that used to motivate you and energize you really don't anymore. And when you find yourself in a place like that, that's an indication. I'm losing heart. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a period of discouragement. And, and the flip side of that is true, too, when you are being encouraged. Don't you find a new energy? Uh, you find a new passion. There, life just becomes much more interesting, and there's, there's more to it. And so um, if you find yourself in that place where you're feeling discouraged, where you're losing heart, then... Today's message is, is just for you. In verse 30, the disciples tell Jesus, look, we can finally understand you now. We understand exactly what you're saying. And because of that, there's this confession of faith that he says, we believe that you came from God. And so in, in uh, verses 32 and 33, then Jesus begins to open up a little bit more to them and explain to them more clearly what's coming. It's like, okay, so now I can speak clearly. I'm going to speak extremely clearly about what is about to happen. But it's this foundation of their, their acknowledgement of faith in Jesus. That's what gives him uh, kind of the green light to move forward, right? And we see this happen on a regular basis. We know how this works. You, you, know, you, you can only go so far with somebody based on your relationship with that person, right? You don't, you don't do a deep dive with a total stranger. But if you have a foundation of relationship, then it enables you to go into some areas much more quickly and to dive into areas that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. I was thinking about this this week. I had lunch with one of our elders this week, and both of us have our youngest children who are getting ready to go away to school. So we are about to join that empty nest here uh, for us. It'll just be in another week. Uh, same for them, actually. And we were, you know, we sat down and, and I hadn't been together face-to-face -to -face in probably several months, but we sat down and just immediately started talking about, you know, what it was like and, you know, our kids going away and how we were processing that. And I thought about that. I was like, you know, I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had the ability to just dive right into that type of a conversation if it weren't for a, a foundation of relationship that we've had. And the same is true when it comes to the way we relate to God and being able to understand what Jesus really has given to us here, that, that is built on a foundation. So here's the first main idea is that trusting Jesus is the foundation for taking heart. If we want to be encouraged, if we want to find courage, the foundation of that is that we have to do what the disciples did here and said, we believe that you came from God. That was a confession of their faith in Jesus. We believe. In the Bible, the word believe and the word trust, the same word. Now, granted, sometimes, based on the context, sometimes that word believe does not necessarily mean trust. But in this context, it's pretty clear that it does. When Jesus says, you believe that I came, you're, you're, you're trusting that, you're believing that, uh, and, and there is something relational about that. And so this is the key that unlocks our ability to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. And, and that starts, of course, with a beginning faith, right? That, that begins with us 
coming to a point of trusting in Jesus for the for, for the, the first time, coming to a point of saying, I believe that you really are God's son. Believing that Jesus did what Scripture tells us that he did, that he came to earth as a human being, but was God and man all wrapped up in one. Did he live this perfect sinless life? Did he die on the cross to pay for our sins? Did he rose from the dead on the third day? I mean, all of those things are foundational, but then you also have to come to a point, not just of believing the facts, but of trusting in Jesus, right? We come to a point of acknowledging I am sinful, I can't make things right on my own, but Jesus made things right for me. He paid the price for me already, and so if I will receive that by faith, if I will trust in Him, then I can have a relationship with Him. And so we come to a point, the Bible talks about it in terms of being born again. You know, there is a spiritual rebirth that happens as a result of us coming to a point of faith. And so that's the beginning point. But as we often say, New birth isn't the end, it's just the beginning, right? So we are born into the family of God by faith in Christ, but then we continue to grow. And then we continue to, to understand more and more and more. And so Jesus is, is doing that here, and he is helping his disciples understand. Now you're ready to, to go deeper. Now you're ready for me to share some things with you that may not be easy things, as we'll see in a moment, may not be easy to receive or easy to, to accept, but it's important. You see, one of the things that I believe is happening right now that is a good thing is it is giving us an opportunity to be reminded that we're not in control. We are absolutely not in control. We never have been in control, but we have lived under the illusion for a long time that we are in control. And, you know, one of the things that the Bible tells us is in all things God works for good for those who love Him are called according to His purpose. So I believe anytime we go through anything like the current situation, we should look at it and say, okay, what are the good things? What are the things that God is doing in the midst of this? How is God at work? What does God want to do in my life through this? What is He trying to teach me? What, what areas is He working on in my life? And I believe this is one of them for many of us. It's a reminder, hey, I'm not in control. I'm sure you've had the same experience that I have several times over the last several months where at the last minute, I mean, you can make a plan, but you just don't know these days what's going to happen. We planned uh, probably last year sometime, we were going to take a, a special trip this summer and, you know, it was going to be senior trip for our daughter Autumn. And so that was going to be at the end of May. Well, we get to the end of May. Well, we better push it back to middle of June. Then we're going to push it back to the first week of July. And, and we're thinking, okay, I think we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to go. We're going to enjoy this time together. And literally 24 hours before, it was like, nope, we can't go. Something came up. Something happened. We got to scrap it. I mean, same thing, getting together with local pastors. You know, we're playing. We're sitting in our house, in our living room, eight local pastors together. We're planning this event where we're going to have an outdoor gathering. We're going to pray together. We're going we're gonna to just have this incredible time for all the churches in the community to come together. And as we're there in the house planning the event, we get word, hey, outdoor events are being limited in size you know things are not going the right direction so we change plans and we go to an online event I mean that kind of stuff happens all the time now right where we think we have a plan and then at the very last minute it's like okay we got we've we've had to learn to be flexible and I believe that is a good thing for us because it reminds us who's in control and if, if, if we are more clearly reminded how much we're not in control, hopefully what that will do is cause us to, to trust in Jesus further. It will cause us to say, okay, I can't do it, so I'm going to have to lean even deeper 
into him. Now we, we can choose to get frustrated by that. And getting frustrated by not having control is an understandable reaction. It's just not a helpful reaction. And it does nothing to help us grow spiritually. But if we see this as an opportunity to trust further and to, to lean into Jesus even more, then that's a good thing. You know, maybe for you, the struggles that you're going through right now have nothing to do with the pandemic. Maybe it has to do with an addiction that you've been struggling with for years to overcome. Maybe it has to do with a relationship that's falling apart, a financial crisis. Maybe it's a bleak outlook on your health situation. It could be any number of things. What it is that we struggle with really isn't the issue. The issue is, it, are we viewing that as an opportunity to trust Jesus more? Because that, that, that foundation of trust is what enables us to go deeper in our relationship with him. So let me just point out to you before we move on to the next main idea here, what is taking place when, when we say we're going to take heart or we're going to take courage? Um, when Jesus is saying that, the question is, who are you taking it from? Right? If you're taking it, somebody's giving it. And the answer is pretty obvious here. We find courage or we find heart in when we turn to God. God is continually saying things like, take heart, be of good courage. You know, we hear that regularly. And so that's his invitation to each one of us. Come to me, Jesus said, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. You know, looking to him, we come to him and he gives us that encouragement. He gives us what we need. So if we are taking heart, then we're, there's only really one place that we can take it from, and that is God. But here's the second part of that question. What's happening if you're losing heart? Who's taking it away from you? John chapter 10, verse 10, listen to this. It says the thief, talking about Satan, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Listen, Jesus is the one who gives courage. Satan is the one who robs us of it. If we take heart, we're taking from God. If we lose heart, we're, we're giving it to Satan, essentially. We're allowing him to rob that from us. And by the way, I won't spend much time on this, but just a little thought to pursue on your own. When you are encouraging someone else or you are, 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 are attempting to build somebody else's courage up, you're doing the work that God does. When you are discouraging someone else, you're doing the work that Satan does. Think about that. Those two are the ultimate sources, but we operate in that arena when we're doing one or the other. So what does it look like for someone to take heart? Verse 32, look at that again. Jesus said, a time is coming and in fact has now come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone for the Father is with me. That to me does not sound like the greatest introduction to hey let me encourage you let me let me let me give you some more encouragement here you're going to be scattered you're going to go away I'm going to be left alone it's like wait a minute what is going on here next thing I want you to see is this that taking heart does not mean ignoring difficult realities Jesus made that so clear he's like look I'm going to encourage you and we'll get there we're going to get to the encouragement part, but it's important that you understand clearly where you really are. And I love that about Jesus. 
He doesn't sugarcoat things. He doesn't try to hide things. He doesn't, you know, this isn't a bait and switch kind of deal. You ever had a situation like that where, you know, you were, you were talking with someone or coming to some type of agreement and you're like, I thought I was agreeing to this. Then you get into it and it's like, no, it was actually this and things change. That's very frustrating, right? It's like, why can't I just know on the front end the direction that we're going so everybody's clear? Jesus is very clear about that. If you are listening to the words of Jesus, you will never be surprised by the difficulties that come up in life. Now, if you're listening to certain preachers, you might be surprised by the difficulties that come up in life. But if you're listening to the words of Jesus, you never will, because Jesus was clear. And and he made it clear at the beginning of the chapter. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 16, he's saying, look, the time is coming when people think that if they kill you, they're, they're doing God a favor. This is what is in front of you. This is going to be difficult. And in verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But then listen to what it says after that. In this world, you will have trouble. It's going to happen. In this world, you will have trouble. Anybody want to read that and say, I want to shout an amen to that. I can relate to that. That word trouble, by the way, is sometimes translated as tribulation. It's the same word from Matthew 24, 9, talking about the, uh, the, the, the persecution of believers in the end times. So this word trouble is not like just a little, you know, kind of a minor nuisance. This is significant. He says you're going to have tribulation in this world. You're going to face things in this world that are going to be really difficult. But I want you to know that on the front end, and I'm still going to encourage you in the midst of it. Yeah, I was reading, uh, we finished the book of Hebrews last week, but it just so happens as I've been going through a devotion, and I, by the way, do those every morning um, on my Facebook page and just kind of put out a little devotional thought for the day based on where we're reading. We've just been going through the New Testament. I find myself back in Hebrews again. That's just kind of where it is. In Hebrews chapter 2, I read recently, and in Hebrews 2 is talking about how Jesus was made perfect through suffering. And we might read that and say, wait a minute, Jesus was already perfect. And he was, absolutely. That word made perfect can also mean brought to completion. Right? Everything that needed to be done, it was brought to completion. And part of that process of completing God's work in Jesus, or perfecting his work in that sense, involved his suffering. It wasn't accidental. And you know the very next thing that it says after that is that, that we are his brothers and sisters. We are of the same family as him. And it's making the point, look, if God is perfecting his will in, in, in his own son, his own flesh and blood here through this process of suffering, and we are part of that family, then we're going to go through the same thing. We're, we're going to experience the same types of um, suffering and difficulties, but it's, it has a purpose in it. So we can't ignore the difficult realities. But thankfully, the conversation doesn't end in verse 32. That would be discouraging if it ended in verse 32, but it doesn't. Jesus said, he, he told us these things to give us peace. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But then the last thing it says is, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We can take heart, we can be encouraged and know that we have victory in him. So here's the last main idea today is that we take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. We know that, right? If you, at least if you've been in church, you've been around, like, yeah, I know this, I know. But we, sometimes don't we just need to be reminded of that? Because we live and we act as if we are not victorious. We act as if we don't know the end of the story. You know, we get all discouraged and all down about things. And it's like we have forgotten that Jesus wins. And that ultimately we win because we are on his side. 
we know how the story is going to end. The Bible tells us that in Christ we are more than conquerors. I love that phrase. I mean, it'd be enough if it said, in Christ we are conquerors. I'm thinking, I could get excited about that. I'm it says we are more than conquerors in Christ. So we do have this victory to look forward to. We have the ability to know, hey, Jesus has overcome the world. Because Jesus has overcome the world, then I can overcome the world too. Let me tell you a couple of things that will help us to keep that in perspective, and we'll wrap it up. One, it's the reminder, as we said before, um, that, that the end of the story is already written. We know how things are going to end. But here's another thing. It's a reminder that this world isn't our home. This world is not our home. And so when he says things like, in this world you will have trouble, well, that's okay because this world isn't ultimately what we were created for. It's not our, our final destiny. We were created for heaven. We were created for a relationship with God. And I know that... that what we go through in this life is important. And we go back to verses like John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's not that God just abandons us in this world. He said, I'm going to give you peace even in the midst of it. But we do sometimes struggle in this world and we need to be reminded this is not ultimately our home. I have some friends that are building a house right now and their house sold. And so they are living with some friends. They're living in somebody else's house. And I know they're grateful for the opportunity to do that and have a place to go. But, but I suspect that they're probably not going to be too attached to that home and probably not going to be too terribly disappointed when it comes time to move out, which hopefully will just be in another week or two. You don't get attached to something that is not permanent, right? Now, ultimately, even this next home they're moving into is not permanent either. But... We need to be reminded that this world is not our home. You know, we, we, we don't get too attached. We don't get too into to, to things of this world because that's ultimately not what we were created for. And if we can remember that, you know, here's the thing. You, you can do anything for a little while, right? You need to spend a month or two or three or whatever, you know, living with somebody else or being in a different place while the place that you're going is being finished up. It may be a little bit inconvenient, but you tell yourself, hey, it's temporary. I can do this for a little while. Maybe we need to remind ourselves that what we are dealing with here in this world, when we do have trouble in this world, is temporary. And if we could get that mindset, it would help us, help us to know, I can handle it. I can deal with it because it's temporary. And ultimately, it's worth it. You know, back in verse 21, we didn't read this before. Uh, but in verse 21, Jesus gives a great example of, of how the pain will ultimately be worth it. And the example he gives is a woman giving birth. And he says that after she gives birth, she forgets about the pain. Now, obviously, I have never been through that personally. But ladies, is it fair to say that is a painful and difficult process to give birth? Most women I know would say, yes, it is. Here's the crazy thing. Women go through that process... And then, in many cases, they voluntarily do it again, sometimes several times. Why? Why would you do that? Because what you get in return is so worth it, right? And that's the point Jesus made. He said, look, they forget all about the pain once they hold that little child in their arms. Let me just encourage you today with this. What we are going through in this world and the difficulty that we sometimes experience, it's, it's a lot like giving birth. It's 
a lot longer than that. Nine months probably seems like an eternity when you're going through that. But, but through the entirety of our life, we are going through something similar to the pains of childbirth. But ultimately, man, is it worth it. It's worth it even in this life, by the way. We experience the peace of God, which Jesus talked about here. We, to, to know that peace is one of the things. But to know what awaits us is huge too. So do you have peace? Because here's the thing. You, you can have all the stuff of this world offers, and if you don't have peace, it's not worth it. And you can have almost nothing that this world has to offer. But if you have peace, then you're good. Jesus said, I have come so that you might have peace. I just want to encourage you to find your peace in him, to turn to him and let him be the source of everything. He wants to give us that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this, this word of encouragement today that you have told us that, that in you uh, we can take heart. We can find that encouragement that we desperately need. And so, Lord, I pray for each person, not knowing exactly where, what may be going on, but just knowing there are, I'm sure, areas of every one of our lives where we just need to take heart today. So help us to turn to you and do that. In Jesus' name, amen.